Acts chapter 4, 36 and 37, and then we're going to go to chapter 5, 1 through 11. And so let me read those. Please remain seated. Let me read those and then we will get started. Listen to what it says beginning in 36. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias. You see where those two kind of go together with that with that uh, the word but there it brings both of them together it brings the it brings Barnabas and it also brings Ananias and Sapphira together to contrast the two but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles feet but Peter said Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. He was dead. Great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. She was dead. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church. Listen to me. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. May God bless the reading of his word. Last week we left off with a really beautiful scene in the church. Just a, just a beautiful scene in the church. A church that, that was full of charity. A church that was full of generosity. It is absolutely gorgeous to see when we see people selling things that they had just so the church, people in the church, their needs could be met. It's just a gorgeous thing for people to, to put things aside for Others to give up their their things so someone else that has need can have. When we see this true charity, it's it's a beautiful thing, is it not? Amen. Let me give you an example. <laughs> it happened to me yesterday. Yesterday, I left the house and we had to go. Me and the two big girls had to go to Pineville, and as always, Casey, when she drives her van, she usually leaves nothing in it as far as gas, and I, how many women do that? It's just me. How many men? How many? Shelton, you do it? Okay, so there, here's the problem. She's like, okay, here's what I got. I got $35. I'm going to give you some gas money, or I'm going to give you this money, and y'all got to go to Pineville, and the girls have to eat when you're there. 
And I was thinking to myself, I was like, Jerry, doing the math, figuring out. I was like, okay, that's not much, but I think we can stretch it. We get to Pineville, costs $20 for them to eat. So how much does that leave me? 15 But we had to stop and we had to buy something else. So I had $5 worth of gas. $5 worth of gas that I could put in. So I put the $5 in. No, I'm sorry, I put $8 in. $8. So I just had a little bit left over. And by the time we were coming back, I needed gas again. I went into my wallet and I had a $5 bill. And I told the kids, I said, this won't make it get us home. I didn't have any money in my wallet. I just forgot it at the house. I thought I did. Casey might have taken it out. I don't know. I'm giving you a hard time this morning on purpose. But, but listen to me. So I go and I, and I go up to this gas station in Pineville. And I'm like, oh no, we have $5. That's like a gallon and a half. You know, that's, I mean, that's nothing. That's not going to get us home. So I said, girls, start looking for the quarters and the pennies. Of course, in our vehicle, there's never any quarters. Ever, ever, ever. There's always just nickels and the occasional dime. But Ruthie had a little pocket of change purse in there. And Selah said, Daddy, Ruthie's money's in here. And I said, well, what's in her bag? I said, is there any dollars in it? And she said, no, I think it's just change. Sure enough, there wasn't nothing but nickels, quarters, or nickels, dimes, and pennies in it. And I was like, ugh. So I start counting this money out because I'm, I'm sweating it because I'm like, there's no way I can drive all the way back home. And so I go in and I said, listen, I've got a bunch of change that you're not going to want to count. And a $5 bill. That's all I got to get home. I said, I got to go an hour. And they, the other cashier was listening to this. And they either didn't want to count the money that I had. (laughs) Or they just felt compelled to give out of the goodness of their heart. Because they said, listen, we we preset your tank for your gas pump for $10. And I said, you don't have to do that. I said, I can pay with this. I said, I've got like $8 here in change. I said, just, just let me do this. And they said, no. You got $10 set on pump eight. And I said, okay. My two big girls were mortified. They were embarrassed that daddy didn't have the money to pay for gas. And it was just a, it was just a simple mistake. And so I put the $10 in. And about that time, the cashier comes out and she says, hey, listen, why don't you go ahead and put another $10 in? And I was like, if you made me feel bad before, you're really making me feel bad now. I said, listen, I'm not putting any more money in. I said, just, I I can get home on $10. Honest mistake, left my money at the house. And um, two ladies that were probably as rough as an uncut field probably not even saved ladies that that have foul language two ladies gave out of the goodness of their heart and I had to eat some humble pie 
And I had to accept it to get home. (laughs) But it was beautiful to see because they recognized the need and then they said, we got you. Keep your $5 bill. Keep your change. We got you. It was beautiful. That's on a very, very small scale to what we see in the early church. It's a beautiful scene. People were loving and people were giving. Turn with me to the book of Exodus for just a moment. Like I said, I've got a lot of verses to go through. Um, and I want to go through them. And I'll tell you the reason why I want to go through them. Because I think they're worthy to go through. Uh, Exodus chapter 35. I'm always leery about speaking and preaching on money because it's a, it's a hot spot in marriage. Amen? You ain't even married. <laughs> Robert, you ain't even married. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. But it is. It's a hot spot in marriage. It is. It, it, is, it is more fights take, take off and fly and, and because of money in marriage and it's just, it's a hot spot. But and, and things and stuff. These things are hot spots in marriages and with people, even single men, obviously, Robert. <laughs> um, but listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 35. I want to I read this to you because this was the early, if I, wanna, if I can call it this, kind of the early church in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 35 Verse 4 through 29. Remember the children of Israel that came out of Egypt and the Lord granted them silver and gold and fine linen and all of these different things. And it wasn't for them. Yeah, they were blessed with it. But what good is a hunk of gold in the desert when you're wandering for 40 years? None. I would much rather have water. Amen? Okay, so the Lord gives them all this stuff and he gives it to them because he wants to dwell with them and they're going to have to make something for him to dwell in. But for that to happen, the people had to then give what had already been given to them. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. We saw that in Exodus. We saw that with the Egyptians. It was given to the children of Israel, the Hebrews, so they would leave. And they had all these fine things, fine, shiny things. People like shiny things, don't they? They like gold. You gild something or you put gold on something and people people just instantly, they just buy it. They got to have it. It's, It's gold. But listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 35 and verse 4. So all these people had all this stuff and they're packing it through the desert for... Apparently no reason until the Lord says, listen, I have need for that stuff. Listen to what happens in verse 4. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Listen to what it says. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. So the command was whoever had a generous heart, right? Just as in the New Testament, we see those that have a cheerful heart, right? 
So we go back to this heart thing that we have here in this passage. But listen to what it says. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord who is of a generous heart. Let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, yarns, fine twine, linen, goat's hair, tan, ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastplate. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tents, its coverings, its hooks, its frames, its bars, its pillars, its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen. So the Lord has all this stuff that he needs made and he's calling on the church people. He's calling on those, his people that he had called out of Egypt. He is calling on them to come. Those that had gifts to come use them. And he even gave some people special gifts to use, just as he does in the church today. Those that had all of these different things that he just mentioned, he says, come and bring these things. Those that have a generous heart. A generous heart. Go over to 20. Listen to what it says. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses and they came everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its services and for the holy garment. So they came both men and women, all who were of a willing heart. This is the fourth time it says it. Brought brooches and earrings, signet rings and armlets and all sorts of gold objects. Every man dedicated an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone, listen, everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And then it goes on and on and on. They brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. And so we see this in 35. But turn over with me if, you, if it's on the next page. It may not be. But listen to what it says just, just a little bit over. Speaking about how beautiful it was in the early church. Listen to what it was going on with the tabernacle. In 36, chapter 36, listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 36. Verse 5, so all the stuff was brought and Moses said, the people bring much more than enough for, the, for, doing the Lord, for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. What happened? Moses tells the people, give with a generous heart. What happens? They gave. What happened? They had so much, there was more than enough. More than enough. That's what happened. Listen to what it says also. The people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. What is he saying? He is literally sending a command out saying, we don't need any more. You have given adequately. You have given sufficiently. It's over, above, and beyond, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You have brought to us. 
for the Lord. They brought it to Moses, to the priests, basically laying it at their feet. This was a picture of the Old Testament believers, those that came in and trusted in the Lord. They had to be told to stop giving. They gave with a glad heart, a generous heart. And so we see whether it's in the Old Testament or whether it's where? In the New Testament, a generous heart is always connected to those and a glad heart to those that what? Give. Whether in the Old or the New Testament, the Lord's people have been marked as generous, giving, loving people. Whether in the Old or whether in the New. There was laws in the Old Testament even for the stranger that didn't belong to the children of Israel. That they had to leave so much set aside for them. Why? Because we're created in the image of God. And God loves us. He loves his creatures. He loves us. He wants to see that they're taken care of. People who give joyfully from the heart. We also see that it's out of an overflow of the heart. Full hearts. Full hearts. If, you don't, if your heart's not full, it's hard to give it out, right? Not because we're told to. No. It's not because we're told to. It's because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. And I know when it comes to talking about money, people get weird and, and you don't, and pastors, I mean, they get thrown into the fire a lot of times when they talk about money. But I, I, don't, I don't care. I don't, I'm not worried about that. I, I don't. The Lord, I told you last week, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and a thousand is symbolic for all of them. All of the hills he owns. All of the cattle he owns. All of, I mean, he, he was the one that put the minerals and the, the gold and all the different things in the ground. At creation. He owned it. He loves a cheerful giver. Remember, selfless. Remember, selfless, not selfish. Remember? All the way through Acts, we've seen selfish, selfish and selfless. Barnabas in Acts chapter 4, 36 and 37, was a selfless man. He gave until it hurt. He gave until it hurt. He did not hesitate to give. He did not let his left hand know what his right hand was doing. He gave quickly for the Lord. He saw the need and he met the need. Barnabas knew that the Lord owned all things. He didn't make a show of it. He just did it. He just gave. Barnabas. It says in 36 and 37, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Saying what? 
I'm not telling you apostles what to do with this. You know full well what to do with it. Whatever the Lord leads you to do with it, I am laying it at your feet. Notice also that the apostles, it didn't go into their hands. This is critical that we understand this. The Lord is giving it. There's an overflow here from Barnabas. And Barnabas is now giving out to the New Testament church. He's laying it at the feet of the disciples, the apostles. He entrusted his giving to them and to the early church. And this came from a heart that was overflowing with love for the Lord. The scripture teaches us that Barnabas was an encourager. A matter of fact, in Acts chapter 11, if you go over there when they went to Antioch, you see what Barnabas was an encourager. He saw what the Lord was doing there and he came and he encouraged them. He lifted them up. He spoke kind words to them. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was faithful. He was steadfast. So let's sum up Barnabas for just a, just a moment as we've looked at the Old Testament and how they gave. Now we're looking at the New Testament and how we see that, that they're giving because there is a need. Let's look up at how Barnabas stacks up against the Old Testament. He was selfless. He sold his properties, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Now, this is not a, a standard by which we live by it. Unless the Lord just simply calls you to do that. You know, this is not something that we do. Like I said last week, if we sold all, if we sold our houses, if we sold our houses, then we would be homeless. Right? And then the church would have to take care of homeless people because they made a poor decision. You see what I'm saying? So we have to use common sense here. But this man gave out of the overflow and the abundance of the heart. He had land. He had an extra piece of land somewhere. He he sold this land. He brought the proceeds to the church and says, Here, guys, do with it as you see fit. He doesn't dictate any terms with them. He just says, Do with it as you see fit. So he was selfless. Because of this, he was called Barnabas. He was an encourager. He was faithful, you see, later on. He was faithful in chapter 11. This man was invested. 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 The greatest returns known to mankind are not in your 401k or the stock market. It is in the Lord God Almighty. Y'all know that I am not a prosperity preacher. Y'all know that. But I fully believe in being fully invested in the kingdom of God. I believe it wholeheartedly. He was invested. He was purposeful. He was was purpose-driven to give to the church, to give to the Lord, full of the Spirit, joyfully giving. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. He did not hesitate or left his left left hand know what his right hand was doing. What does that mean? He's talking about it, right? You got on one side, you're doing something and you let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You're talking about it. You're, you're stopping and you're considering and you're thinking about it. 
When the Lord tells us to do something, we're to take what he tells us to do. when, When the Spirit leads us into something to do, we're to go and we're to do that. We're not to let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. We're not to sit here and say, well, if I do it on this hand, then, you know, this just doesn't make sense over here. Now, I think I'll just hold on to this part and give this piece. Well, you know what? I did have a good year. I think I can give just a little bit, little bit more. That's what it means. What the Lord's calling us to do is not to let your left hand know what your right's doing. It's to give, be invested... And to do it before you talk yourself out of it. <laughs> How many times have you talked yourself out of doing something for somebody else? By giving. I have. Has anybody else, please don't leave me alone up here. I'm t- the terrible one. Okay. It happens. The Lord prompts you to do something. He prompts you to give something to somebody. What are you supposed to do? Give it. Now I know, like I said last week, I'm going to be tempted in this very area this week. So y'all pray for me. Please pray for me. Please pray. I want want to do right. From chapter 4 to chapter 5, the early church story, much like it did in Leviticus, chapter 10, 1 through 3, changed drastically. We go from seeing a beautiful church that is loving and giving to one another, a church people that are, they are just, just enthralled with the, the work that's going on. And so anybody that had extra, they're bringing it in and they're giving it out of the goodness of their heart. But in chapter 5, things change very quickly. Ananias and Sapphira come on the scene. And just like what happened in the Old Testament, as the, new, the Old Testament quote-unquote church started there, when they started that tabernacle worship, something took place in Leviticus in chapter 10. Something that was dreadful took place. And it had everything to do with an offering. It had everything to do with a sacrifice, just as it did here in the book of Acts in chapter 5. It had everything to do with it, it had everything to do with a sacrifice, offering and a sacrifice. Something dreadful took place. God's wrath was poured out on people. Why? Why? Because they, were, they did not do what they were supposed to do. This is a warning. Leviticus chapter 10, listen to what it says, 1 through 3. You can turn there if you want to. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Leviticus chapter 10, 1 through 3, this is Aaron's two boys. He had four, these are two of them. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. It was not required of them, but they did it anyways. And the Lord didn't like it none. This was the beginning of when they begin to start tabernacle worship. And so the Lord uses this as a pattern to show them, hey, don't mess with me. Do it the right way. And so he's going to use it the same way in the New Testament church. Hey, don't mess with me. Do it the right way. Listen to what happened to them. 
He laid it on the offer, unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said among those who are near me. I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Aaron didn't say a word. He shut his mouth. His two boys had just been struck down by by fire from heaven for offering up something that they were not required to offer up. And the Lord struck them dead. Such a, a troubling sight from what we just read earlier where all the people were giving from generous hearts, right? Here we have in the New Testament, Acts in chapter 5. Let me read this because it won't take me much longer. Just pay attention. But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds. He kept back for himself some of the proceeds. His wife knew about this. And brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Peter, Peter having this discerning spirit, he is questioning Ananias here. And as he questions him, you can't help but to think that Ananias' heart hit the floor. Because he was found out. Simon Peter literally calls him out. Why have you done this? Then he says this. He says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land, while it remained unsold. Did it not remain your own? He said, nobody made you do this. It was still your own. You didn't have to sell it. We didn't make you do this. We didn't make you lie. Did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? They could have done whatever they wanted to do. They could sell it and they could keep all the money. But listen to what happens. Did it not remain your own and after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? So in one point in verse 3 we have Satan. Or Let me back up. Hold on, hold on. Where does it speak of him at? Verse 3, but Peter said, oh yeah, there it is, right there. I'm sorry. Pay attention. I'm sorry. Y'all just pay attention. Oh, sorry dog, Satan. Here Satan fills his heart to lie. But we also see where Ananias is still responsible 
for contriving this deed in his own heart. And these two do not contradict each other. And we'll get to that here in just a moment. Let's move on. It says, You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias, in verse 5, heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. So what happened? He lied. He kept part of that money back. He lied, and he died. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. What's happening in our text? The Lord is sending a stiff warning to the church. And what is that? Do it right. You cannot fool God. We can't fool Him. You may be a wolf dressed up in sheep's clothing and fool everybody else, but you cannot fool Him. He will find us out. Psalms 91 and 3 calls Satan the fowler, the bird trapper. The bird trapper, the fowler. The fowler with the snares, the bird trapper. And here in the text... The bird trapper, he's at it, isn't he? He's working overtime. Why is he working overtime? Because the early church is the early church. It's in its young, vulnerable state. Just like it was back in in the Old Testament when when they built the tabernacle. So he's working overtime. This fowler is laying traps and he's laying snares. And he's even setting out bait for those traps and those snares. Satan the fowler has been setting out traps and been setting out bait for over 6,000 years, has he not? He and his workers, they examine the, the, the work and the habits of man and lays the snare and lay the bait accordingly. Yes or no? Just as the fowler studies the movements of his prey, the traps are moved around, they're camouflaged, they're baited and they're set accordingly to the desires of the prey and the size of the prey. But notice something, Satan doesn't make us do anything. He did not make Adam and Eve sin in the garden. He did not make Ananias and Sapphira sin. He tempts us. 
And according to James chapter 1, 4, and 5, we are trapped and we are killed by our own lusts and by our own desires, which become sin, which bring forth death. Satan did not make Adam and Eve eat of the fruit. He simply twisted God's word. Satan did not make Nadab and Abihu offer up strange fire. Satan did not make Ananias and Sapphira do this. But he did, however, lay a trap, a snare. And he did, however, put the bait out there. And they went in, and they were caught. And they were killed. Listen. We are trapped and we are killed by our own lusts, by our own sins, by our own desires. Satan tempted Adam and Eve, Nadab and Abihu, and Ananias and Sapphira. Notice that these were also very critical moments in history. The first one was the the coming together of the Old Testament saints into corporate worship, into a place where God would be worshipped in the tabernacle. The first one was in the garden. The second one was the one in the tabernacle. And then the third one here is with the New Testament church. Ananias and Sapphira was not required to sell out. Ananias and Sapphira was not told to give anything. Satan tempts them. Ananias and Sapphira hesitate and begin to think just like Adam and Eve. Satan spoke to Eve. Did God really say that? Ananias and Sapphira, they begin to think. They begin to let their left hand know what their right hand is doing. Wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. That's a whole lot of money for a piece of land. Do we really want to give all that? But I tell you what, let's give some of it because it's going to make us look really, really good. There's the bait. You see how crafty Satan is? He lays things out there. Ananias and Sapphira lie about the money to the Holy Spirit and Peter. And they do this most likely to be seen for doing great acts of giving and charity, which equals pride. However, their true nature was found out. Satan laid the trap. He laid the snare. Put the bait of what? Of pomp? Of fame? Of money? What other bait did he put on there? Exaltation? Well, they would be lifted up. Think about it. We're going to give X amount of dollars to the church. People are going to know about it. Man, we're going to be the bell of the ball. Right? That's that bait in the snare. And Ananias and Sapphira, they took the bait. They took it. They were trapped and then they were destroyed. 
the Lord strikes them dead. Once again, we have the selfless versus the selfish. And let me say this as I close. Go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9. Real quick, 2 Corinthians 9. 6 through 8, because I'm, I mean, I've just got just a touch, touch more. Listen to what it says. Selfless versus the selfish. Some of the most, listen to me, some of the most selfish people I've ever met. Some of the most selfish that I've ever met are those that are outwardly selfless. You hear me? They're outwardly selfless. Showing outward signs of charity and piety to jockey themselves and to gain some type of position among the people. And this is no different than what Ananias and Sapphira had done. Some of the most Selfish people I've ever met are those that are selfish, selfless, showing these outward signs. But inwardly they are what? Ravenous wolves. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. We, the church, need to be careful and to continue to examine our own hearts according to God's Word. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 9 6 through 8. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Pretty cut and dry. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. What's the point of today's message? Once again, we have Barnabas, who was selfless, gave up the land for the church, he did it with a right heart. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit and a, a loving man, an encourager. He didn't hesitate, he just did it. And then we got Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the Holy Spirit and kept money back. The snare was set, the bait was put in, and they were trapped. And the Lord destroyed them. And this was, a, this was a warning, just like it was in the Old Testament. This was a warning. Do it right. <clears throat> Make sure your heart is right when you give an offering. If I could sum it all up, make sure your heart is right before you give an offering unto the Lord. Whether that be an act of service, whether that be singing, 
whether that be giving financially, whatever it may be, make sure your heart is right before you give it. Let's pray.